That Force Radio. That Force Radio is rated M for mature. Or should that be immature? Hey guys, Dustin Wint. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. This is Paul Dini. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. You're listening to Bat Force Radio. This is Tom King. I write Batman Bitch. And this is Bat Force Radio. Welcome to Bat Force Radio, the Batman slash DC podcast with no limits. We are recording tonight on the first day of fall, autumn 2018, and it could not be any more appropriate for the amazing show we have tonight. But uh, let me get the panel out of the way. I got uh, Robin Cross up in Canada. What's up? I got Bat Force Tom over sunny California. What's up, dudes? I got the Trunkler over in Chicago. How's it going? Scott, take us away. All right, so this next guest we have on has done iconic artwork. He came over to DC and was doing Sandman, as well as Gotham After Midnight, various iconic Batman covers throughout the Nightfall series, including 497 of Brain literally breaking Batman's back. He's also done the Elseworlds Batman Vampire Trilogy, like Red Rain, Bloodstorm, and Crimson Mist. He is currently working on Batman Kings of Fear. This gentleman's art, when you look at it, you know who this guy is. There's no questioning on, oh, who's this guy? No, you know who this guy is. He draws a monstrous Batman. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce Mr. Kelly Jones. Yes. Thank you. Thank you very much. That was a very, very kind intro. Thank you. Um, <laughs> that was my pleasure. This is so exciting. Wow. Um, first of all, how's life? How's everything, Kelly? Everything's going good. I mean, uh, I couldn't I couldn't be more pleased with... Uh, just getting to do what I get to do, you know? Who, yeah, how how that happens, I don't know. If someone had told me years ago I'd still be doing it, I would have, even doing this for a living, I'd have been thinking they were crazy. So uh, it never gets boring. That's my big fear is boring, and it never gets boring. You say you're surprised. I'm not surprised. I mean, to me, you have one of the most artists, artists, iconic, monstrous, impactful, moody, Batman of all time like there's, there's no mistaking your amazing work to get started we usually so what happens is um with our show we we have a lot of new a good chunk of our listeners are actually new generations yeah. of comic book readers as well um oh, so okay. so for the new people that are coming in to comic books can you take us through the road your journey into in terms of developing becoming an artist and breaking in the industry and then you know from and then going to Marvel and then over to DC like like your amazing journey through this. Okay, I I'll, I could be pretty brief on this. I mean, I always drew, and I always liked comics. I never really thought I would do comic book art for a living. Um, but many years ago, I went to a comic book show as a teenager, and uh, Marshall Rogers, who was as iconic a Batman artist as there is, oh. and a great one of the great comic book artists of all time had uh, very kindly looked at some stuff of mine that I didn't bring down. A friend of mine did, actually. I just came to get signatures. <laughs> and um, he, my friend took it out. I about fainted. and Because I didn't really have any comic book art in there. It was just stuff I was doing. It would, There was stuff in in the vein of doing comics, but there was no superheroes or anything. 
And he really liked it quite a bit. Uh, enough to where he sat me down. He stopped what he was doing. He sat me down and he said, I, I, he telling me everything I, that he liked, everything I could make better, uh, that it didn't look like anybody else. And, and you know, you, have, you can always have your influences, but he thought I had a, uh, a very cinematic eye, which I didn't understand any of the terms. But after that, it made me think, well, maybe I could do something like this. I do enjoy doing it. And um, a few years after that, uh, Marvel Comics did a uh, kind of a talent search. And they just asked people to submit. And they, God knows how many they got. But out of that crop, um, they, they hired uh, two or three people. And I was one of them. Wow. And and, um, and as an inker, that's what I I really thought I sh that's what I was best at. Um, they looked at everything, and uh, Butch Geis, who was uh, pretty big at Marvel at that time, had liked what I was doing. He put me on him, and I started inking. He uh, inking the Micronauts for him. Uh, he left Micronauts. I thought that was it. I'm done because <laughs> I didn't understand anything. I was out in California. They're all in New York. I never met anybody, you know, other than at the comic book convention. But I didn't meet any of the people I knew. I didn't, you know, I just thought that was over. And uh, the editor called me and said, you know, I don't like any of the pencil samples I'm getting at all, but I like your penciling that you were doing, you know, for, for your submission to this uh, talent search. And I about fainted because I said, I'm not a penciler. I mean, I draw. But I don't know anything about how in, having go, going about drawing comic books and such. And he says, don't worry. We'll teach you as we go. The script's on its way. And wow. so I just was thrown into it from that point on. Um, and I enjoyed my time at Marvel. But the irony was they, uh, after that point, they weren't going to let me ink my own stuff. Not that I was as d disappointed, but I wasn't. There wasn't anybody there inking my stuff the way I was drawing it and the way I saw it. DC called one day. Uh, they had seen something of mine they had liked, or I, I forget how exactly. And they hired me to come over, and they didn't know I enjoyed doing horror comics or anything like that, and they gave me Dead Man. Wow. And <laughs> I drew these for a little bit. Uh, drew these little eight-page. Uh, backups or whatever for for action comics weekly they liked them so much i thought they were going to fire me because i was <laughs> changing it so much i no, i mean i literally thought i mean you guys were saying how and very kindly boy people know who you are but that's a double-edged sword <laughs> you know it could be <laughs> oh it's him you know <laughs> but i changed it up enough uh because i didn't feel i could compete with neil adams mm. Mm. And Neil Adams was really the guy who that when you think of dead man, that that's who you think of. And that's who I thought of. So after a day or so trying to draw it correctly, um, I, I just didn't like what I was doing. And uh, I walked away from it. I came back and it just sort of hit me to take his name literally. Mm. And I thought they would fire me. I turned in the first eight pages. I turned in the next eight pages. No one's saying anything. Wow. <laughs> and uh, they called one day about deadline stuff because it was a tight book. And um, finally, I couldn't stand it. And I just said, well, what do you think? Mm 
And the editor goes, about what? <laughs> and I said, about, about the book, <laughs> what I'm doing. And she just says, oh, well, I don't really care for your drawing, but I love, <laughs> but I love what you're doing. Hmm. I really think you're doing huh. something different. Hmm. And, I, and I said, well, what do you want me to do? And, you know, do I, because I was, I didn't, I was getting, a, to me, a mixed signal. And she, and she just simply says, go further with it. Hmm. And I said, but you said you didn't care for it. She goes, I didn't say it wasn't good. She goes, I like more traditional but I really dig this. And so you keep doing it. And I did. And I, and I was, uh, they got a hold of me towards the end of it and said, we're going to do a graphic novel with dead man. Um, we'd like you to do it. The, the other artist is, uh, has opted out. Um, and I, you know, without any, I, I still wonder to this day why I said this, um, because I was just so happy to get this kind of material and work with the people I was working with. And I said, yeah, well, only if I ink it. Mm. <laughs> and they go, and they just, right, turn right around. Oh, do you want to ink? And I you ink your own work? And I said, absolutely. That, Yeah, that's my own. Well, they had, you know, at that point they didn't, I'm now I understand. They didn't have to look for an inker. Yeah. <laughs> so they just said, hey, you got it all. And they gave me a year to get it done, which is beautiful. Mm. And then it uh, it opened all the doors there. You know, at that point when everyone saw it, they said, "Would you like to do Sandman? Would you like to do Batman?" Mm. Um, yeah, because it was different. And and yeah. then hopefully now, then different was good. Mm. Oh, and um, and it felt they felt like I got to the core of characters. They they offered me Sandman as a monthly book because I had done several issues of it. But at that time, they came and offered me Batman, and it's Batman. That's like, <laughs> you know, it's Batman. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's funny because Sandman is also one of those top ten lists everywhere as well at this point. So, you know, you were, yeah. you were bouncing back from two classic points in comic books. <laughs> well, I was, I was lucky to be at the beginning of a couple of really cool things. I was lucky to be at the beginning of kind of Vertigo and Sandman. Sandman went from cult to really popular Mm. at the period I, that I was doing it. And I think that's why they offered me it as a monthly. Mm, right. Because it was more collaborative than mostly Neil would just send a script and you'd follow it. Well, I don't usually work that way. Um, I can, I don't mind, but normally I'll talk to the writers beforehand to kind of, you know, set the tone. And at that time, he, he did that with me. Mm. So mm. we sat down and talked about this for a long time and and it became very very big and at that point i think it was helpful to him because he was having a hard time uh keeping up with a monthly schedule he he wrote so much that uh would probably be seen as extraneous but i thought it was very useful to setting atmosphere mm. um so that opened a door they offered batman and like i said it was at the beginning of the elseworlds thing and they offered me the vampire Batman, and I, you know, simply had to do that. Yeah. And um, oh, yeah. I didn't know, I, of course, no one knows anything. I didn't know Dead Man would do well. I had no idea. I had no idea that Sandman was going to do what it did, and I had no idea that Red Rain would do mm -hmm. what it did. No, but nobody knew. 
Yeah, these are just... all all platinum records, Kelly. You're just you know, well, yeah. and, and how and how iconic it would be, and that in 2017 there would be companies making statues that were who knows? Yeah, who can figure these things? And I didn't. I just was happy because I was getting to do uh, horror themed or horror oriented art, and there was nothing like that then. There was only Swamp Thing. That was the only book I knew of. And I wasn't going to get on that. They weren't going to hire me for that. So I just sort of put that into all of my stuff. Mm. And it just it just went from there. And with Batman, when I got to Batman as a as a monthly book, everything was and I guess you can say this about any period. There was a very homogenized kind of uniform look to a lot of stuff. And I, I looked around and I just didn't want my stuff to be dated. I didn't want I didn't want it to look like, well, that's a book from this particular period i just wanted it to be a comic book that was cool and so at that point i um you know cool for for what it is and years later if someone read it they would say okay you know it's it's not so dated Mm. and again i was very fortunate It was the last uh, time they did batman unconnected to other books um they were all short stories Uh, i made it very film noir uh less Mm -hmm. horror more film noir Mm. Um, and it worked, I mean, for that three years, which also taught me how to draw, mm. uh, when you're, under, when you're under pressure to get 22 and a cover done every month, you can't, <laughs> you know, you got to get something done that day, whether you like it or not. So it taught me how to think and how to draw. And I was unaware of all of this stuff, um, being considered what it is not even now, then. I, I just was lucky to be working with people I really like to work with. And I, I keep coming back to this old thing of I just wasn't bored. I was enjoying myself every day. Mm. Um, and I didn't really, I didn't really, uh, you know, when you draw comics, when you're in comics all the time, you don't really read that much because you want to simply produce your own story. Mm. So uh, I would read other stuff, but I mean, I, I would. I became very isolated into the effect of whatever I was doing. I, I didn't know whether people liked it or not. I just knew the editors did. I knew the writers did and, you know, and peers of mine were liking it. So it was just an enjoyable period. It has always been an enjoyable period. When it quits being fun, I will quit. But right now it's still fun. That's awesome. I have the uh, that hardcover of the of your Batman collection, Volume One, in front of me right now, and uh, I do love how you did like just zap into your own world, and you went, you know, through each rogue as well, like Scarecrow, Ivy, uh, your Freeze is so amazing. It's like a fun ride. Um, well, I I always felt that Gotham should be really a different place, so I I did I told him at the beginning that I was going to make everything be unique to Batman, so I wanted Gotham to be a city that had its roots back to when it was founded up till now the technology there would be old technology and new technology stuff like that mm. um i didn't want anything to to uh, get in the way of making a good a good picture and uh i remember taking stuff that i'd already done from red rain where i had kind of redesigned the back cave because i always wondered you know there's a big cave under the under under Wayne Manor and I had always figured okay well you know it's 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 either got to be supported or because it will cave in or they did you know I I told him once because they asked me why I had all these groined arches under there and I said well you know I always figured the Waynes did 
it going back into the past always did good. You know, you always throw something out at them. Yeah. Or or they didn't want the Wayne Manor to collapse into this big sinkhole or something, anything. <laughs> but primarily, I just wanted it to look cool. And I would I took that and put it in the monthly. I did a lot of stuff like that just simply to make it visually interesting, even when nothing was really happening, just mm. when people were talking. One of my favorite mm-hmm. examples of that is when Batman, he's, he's uh, doing surveillance work. And he, I, I was one of those devices <laughs> where the, it's like a suction cup against the wall or something. Yeah. And, he has to, yeah. and I was like, that little detail alone, it's just it just captures the mood. And it's just so great. Like what you well, were going thank, for. No, I'm glad you noticed that. I, I Look, I there was a lot of stuff that I missed. And I, and I think people in comics, sometimes we get embarrassed by doing it. And we get embarrassed by sound effects and we get embarrassed by narration and we get embarrassed by little, you know, with Batman, his, you know, he has a utility belt for Christ's sakes. I never saw anyone him use it. Mm. So, or, or at least in my day. So I said, well, you know, whether you ask for it or not, I'm going to have him use it. One, he's a detective. And I wanted that again. And uh, Doug Minch wrote him as a detective mm. again, you know, where he actually collected evidence and clues and stuff like that. <laughs> Yeah. And so I just thought, well, he's got to have these cool devices because he doesn't have superpowers. Mm. And um, and they're fun to look at. I mean, there's all kinds of things in those books that I did that were probably unnecessary. But I loved the chapter breaks. I loved uh, the intro panel and the exit panels. Um, you know, I know a lot of people consider that breaking down a fourth wall. But I just thought it was decoration, you know, just simply set decoration. You and Tim Sale are the only guys I just have the hardcovers open and I'll just flip through and look through. I won't even read sometimes. I just love stud- visually studying the design. Well, Tim Tim is just – Tim is compositional and brilliant as a graphic artist in in sense where he places his blacks. And so he is always pointing where to look. And what he's pointing you to look at is exactly how it should look. I uh, probably that's something we had in common, although I think he's much more of a, a better draftsman than I am. But it, it's if there's something that I like hearing, it's that you, agree, you know, that you throw me in there with Tim. So that's <laughs> oh, no, oh, no, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fanatic. I've read maybe over 90 percent of everything that's ever been published with Batman. And yeah. you and Tim Sale are to me the art like everyone's a comic illustrator. You and him are to me are the artist artists you guys keeps things so visually interesting and moody and detailed and designed so well that i just uh, it just never gets old to me i, I got well more. i mean this book that should be approached differently and just be a darker captain america you know it should be a <laughs> it it's its own world yeah it's or to this day i still make gotham city uh, a character and i don't want to miss i mean there's a lot of the things that we uh, like I was saying earlier, a lot of stuff we shouldn't throw away, and it is those kind of things. It, you know, um, Gotham's a character. He has this utility belt. Uh, you know, there's little things. I always I always find it interesting. Uh, you know, Gotham never has a traffic jam, so he can get around. There's just all these <laughs> neat neat little things that happen. Um, but you have to th- but you have to know that that in doing it, I realize it too. I, I that I, I come to this I still consider myself far more a fan than a professional. I'm just a fan who gets published. 
<laughs> so I'm I'm always still amazed I'm doing this, and I'm very amazed I whenever I'm asked to do Batman. Mm, man, you're awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, can we just step back one second and talk about where your um, horror influence comes from? I've when I was a kid, I was uh, my father used to be probably one of those few people that would say, hey, there's something scary on, let's watch it. Oh, cool. Wow. wow. And, and when I was a kid, so I would get to watch all this stuff. There, the, the rule was I couldn't come screaming into their room at 3 in the morning. <laughs> but, um, you had to jump out the window that, instead. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, there, other than that, I was allowed to, to watch these things. And what had happened was I would watch this stuff, and then all the other kids at school – I would tell them because they weren't allowed. I would tell them, oh, <laughs> and they would get nightmares from me just telling them <laughs> about, you know, these movies or whatever. But but what it you know I wasn't like I said I was never for, formally trained as an artist. I was more of a film guy. Yeah. So I took film courses, which are you know is a cousin to to comic book art, and it, you know it's it's very similar um and so i knew that background and i just the horror stuff stuck with me more i would watch old you know now it's old but to me it was new you know i'd see stuff like night night gallery or uh kolshak or there was a lot of tv horror films in those days um they would rerun a lot of stuff like the outer limits and and whatnot and that stuff just stayed with me um, later on, you know, uh, I got to become, I mean, I'd grown up with, but I began to really appreciate the old universal films, the old hammer films, uh, how much artistry and craft they put into these things. And I thought they would be part, you know, basically for Batman, that's a perfect stepping stone. So if I look different, a lot of it, I owe to the old universal filmmakers. Mm. Wow. That's classic stuff too. I love yeah. that. Yeah, it, it is. I've never, I, you'd never get tired of it. No. And to segue in from that, and this is a question I've always wanted to ask, what, how, like, do you remember your mindset when you went into designing your bat, your iconic bat suit with the, you know, the long ears and the exaggerated, like, vampire-esque capes and all that, you know, that's something that well, you could play with visually forever. That's so good. Do you remember, like, the process in designing all this? Yeah, I, I can remember figuring out the cape. In that I went to a uh, department store and bought a black sheet, mm. and, it, and this is when I first was going to get to do it. And I bought a black sheet and I I soaked it wet. I took it in the backyard and I draped it over some chairs, just to see how it would look. Mm. And because I wanted his look, I didn't think of Batman as a physical guy who beat the hell out of people. Because that's not really what, to me, he would do. To me, he would scare the hell out of you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And he would be, you know, I say this all the time. I used to tell everyone, I said, well, to me, if he hits, like, not not the rogues gallery guys, the Arkham guys, they're insane. You have to beat them up. But the, the regular people is primarily who he deals with. And he should look like something from hell. Yeah. He shouldn't look. He shouldn't yeah. look like a guy who's wearing a uniform who you could might be able to take out other than Superman. You might be able to take that guy. He should look like you don't. To me, I always used to tell DC, I think 
if I were in the streets and a guy, I think he's a villain. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I would think that he's there protecting his turf. Mm. Yeah. And that when he, you see him fighting the Joker or Two Face or whatever, they're fight. It's turf war. It's a gang war, or it's a it's guys defending their 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 territory. So I never thought of him as like, oh, he's a good guy. I I never you know. So at that point, um, I wanted him to be terrifying. If you were in a room with him and it was the lights were off, mm. wow. I wanted it if he was in. If you're driving your car and all of a sudden he rises from the back seat. Yeah, I love that. Uh, you're, you're, you know, you don't know he's in the room with you for 10 minutes and then you realize he is. <laughs> yes, I love that. Okay, so I think like that and then I try to make that be the version. Mm. So the exaggeration, you look, I'm of, of the school of, you know, realistic is terrific, but, you know interesting is better Mm. Mm. and i wanted interesting because realistic i mean there are people who can do it neil adams is a genius look twice in my life i owe neil adams quite a bit Uh, i had to take over a character he is absolutely identified with and i had to change him Mm. or or you just look like neil or a weak neil or a (laughs) you know it's just it's a very hard task Mm. so uh, i just had figured I wanted mine to be, uh, you know, his motivation was fear. Yeah, it, def- it was effective because uh, bat- bat- it gave Bat Force Tom nightmares, didn't it, Tom? <laughs> yeah, I can't remember when it was when you were doing um, what what exact cover it was of the detective run, uh, or if it, I'm, I don't even know if it was a single issue, but I remember walking into a comic shop when I was a little kid. And uh, it might have been even a drugstore, just a spinner rack at a drugstore. And my favorite, my favorite character has always been Batman. But I saw one of your covers as a little kid, and it scared me. And I was afraid to like open that comic and read through it, even though I loved Batman. It was scary to me. So it, you actually scared me away as a little kid from from uh, reading, reading too many Batman books early on. It, it wasn't until obviously I grew out of it, but then I just fell in love with the genius of the style that you created. But well, I mean, you you were that- affected man fear <laughs> no I, look that's music to my ears <laughs> i love i love to hear that i i absolutely the intent was to do that um i think we all like even people who say they hate it they don't they like it uh on that level we want continuity we want we want the history of it to be acknowledged I'm I'm a big believer in trusting the uh, imaginations of the writers and the artists. I figured, for example, Gotham was New York. New York was originally a Dutch town. No one's going to mind a big windmill in the middle of the city. You know, that's that's just it's okay. <laughs> Only the British will mind. <laughs> so I just would do things like that. I didn't mind uh, old tiled roofs right next to modern uh, office mm. buildings. Yeah. Um, I I thought all of that should work. Uh, because it's a comic book, <laughs> you know, and, and, and it's the one place we get to do this. So I never thought of rules for that. And I never thought that, um, I never thought, for example, anyone would have a problem. Uh, although I have to say scaring people away probably would have made DC not happy, but it makes <laughs> the artist happy. I know they, sure. they scared a lot of people away this week with, uh, 
Batman's genitalia. Well, you know, there's there's certain things that that ultimately, um, stuff like that limits us. I know that sounds opposite, but it limits what we do. It it it's again it it's it's making it so real that when you try to do something exaggerated or try to do something amazing, it that then it becomes to bring a false note. Mm. It just it, it then it starts being like everything else. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. oh, it just absolutely. does. And and look, as 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 long as you, I mean, on the other side of that, there's so many things that that you could be doing. Mm. I mean, that's that's at least how I I look at it. That that's the last thing I want to do is make it like my own boring life. You know. <laughs> yeah. Handcuffed to the drafting table. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no. Hey man, you know what? I will. I also give you credit because. It takes balls to do that, you know? It really does as well. That's why, like I said, you're one of the few, like, artists, artists, man, because uh, you, just, you just locked in and you did it, and it's evident in the work. I mean, no, no, nobody can mistake your Batman. You well, yeah. look, I, again, I never will get ever tired of saying that, so you can say that more if you want. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think what you're saying is uh, I, I find many, many other comic book artists much better draftsman than me what i think you're saying is what i always describe myself as as an idea guy yeah yeah and i will come up i will come up with an idea or a different way to look at stuff Mm. that we've all seen before um and a different way a different way to present the same material so it might bring a new a new angle to it. Mm. Luckily, I haven't had to do full frontal nudity yet, but I have <laughs> hey, after um, this week, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think everyone's going to jump in on it now. But um, no, but I do appreciate that. It is it's, to me, it's all the idea, mm. and, and I get excited by that. I like a different camera angle. Yeah, um, yeah. I like I like uh, I like what comics can do with lighting that you really can't do anywhere else. Mm, right. You know, I've been very pleased. I I really missed the old newsprint paper, and I'm glad they brought back this matte paper now that I'm on, mm. um, because it allows the blacks to all stay true. They don't get wishy washy. The paper isn't uh, doesn't reflect so much. Mm. It doesn't at all, and it allows the colorist's color to be very lush. Mm. Um, and so all, you know, sometimes all my ideas, uh, certain ideas you can't use because you're limited by the technology. Now they've kind of got, oddly enough, they've gotten back to what looked like books did, you know? Yeah. 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 And that, that, uh, the, the newspaper print kind of, uh, helps, uh, your style of work in particular and people that do, uh, a, a lot of dark space, negative space, because the, when you, the paper isn't glossy, like the areas that are supposed to be dark, the those areas actually absorb the light. You're not getting these reflections and seeing bright spots. I, I, where you're supposed the only to be thing, dark. you know, probably the only thing that's missing nowadays are letters pages. Oh mm. uh, yeah, mm-hmm. and you know, which which I still think as archaic as that sounds in the age of of uh, email and whatnot. I and is it allows a community within a book. Yeah. Um, it allows, I think it's, it was always exciting to me to see, uh, if you got a letter printed or what people were saying that they felt should be in a book. Um, so other than that, I mean, if they ever put those back, then we're we're perfect. You know, they, they, they could image still does that. Yeah. And that's due, that's up to the, each individual, uh, creative team. 
I think it's a great thing to do. Mm. Um, it, it It's very intimate then. Yeah. The books become far more intimate. I, I I just think there's so many things comics do within, in, in the age of just so much... Uh, amazing stuff that that you can get as entertainment comics are such uh a throwback but they're they're better you know to physically hold a book to to be able to you know that's and to collect it you know uh that's really fun and i and i i don't like to get away from anything that removes that uh kinetic energy that you get from it mm. yeah it's been really popular recently i think um you know, obviously now we live in the age of social media and whatnot, and that fuels the fuels the fire as well for print because now people are kind of constantly rushing for the next hot book and yep. you know what's going on with this one and even controversy. And, yeah, you know, very and it, covers, it gives. And, mm-hmm. I mean, even more so than a letters page, it gives the artists and the creators an opportunity to connect directly with like the, the readers. Like for example, you're one of the more uh, active artists on facebook and it's awesome to see how mm. you know you're constantly responding to fans asking you questions yeah and you don't give them one or two word answers you like give them paragraph answers sometimes yeah. and it's like there's not many artists right now that take the time to kind of interact and really give and take feedback from the fans and uh that's something that i think you know this age has given us that we would never seen before mm. well look I-, I will go back to what i said i'm i'm a fan who got published so i when i get a question i'll answer it because i would ask those questions i do ask those questions <laughs> you know i'm i'm lucky in that perhaps in my situation i, I can go up and speak to a lot of people who do this and, and i ask them all that stuff i can't tell you how many people I have to say before we work or before we do anything, whatever, I have to go through my mantra of you're a genius, you're incredible, what (laughs) what do you think you do this? You you know, um, uh, the late Len Wein, I did that with constantly. Mm. Um, Anytime I spoke with him, it would be over that. Doug Minch on Batman, I used to drive him crazy with Master of Kung Fu questions and Moon Knight questions. I loved Godzilla. When he wrote Godzilla, I was a huge fan of that as a kid. And I asked him every question, how did you decide to make, you know, uh, Godzilla tiny? And he would tell me. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I would, I, I always think that's the same. If, you know, I find that odd. I don't really follow a lot of people, uh, a lot of other artists on Facebook like that. I didn't know I responded more or less than someone else, but I, it just seems natural if someone asks you, um, you know, I, I try to read them all, and a- and if someone asks a question, I'll answer it. Oh, yeah, it, so going going to uh, going towards both of those things, talking about a little bit of you being a fan yourself and also answering fans. Uh, we put up a little post. We're just going to pepper in some questions here and there. But Skursker ad- asked uh, first. He wants to thank you for the Detective Comics covers, and then he wonders what your favorite writer or artist back in the early days was. Uh, for me. Uh, if the, if that, if the question is on Batman, it would have been Steve Englehart and Den, and, uh, Marshall Rogers. Mm. Nice. Uh, that's, mm-hmm. that's who got me into being a, a pretty big DC fan. Um, in general, I love Len Wein and Bernie Wrightson. Mm. Uh, I loved Doug Mench and Paul Galassi. Mm-hmm. Uh, those were people I, I tended to follow quite a bit. I, I was a big fan, um, of anything John Byrne drew. Mm. Um, I mean, I followed him from uh, Charlton Comics to, you know, B-level Marvels to, you know, 
uh, when he started doing uh, the X-Men. I think still think the, that after Kirby, the greatest year I've seen any artist have was John Byrne doing both the monthly X-Men and the monthly Avengers. I still don't know how he did that. Um, two group books, and they're, I, they're, I just don't know how you do that. But, um, but that, that's what I came up following. Um, and like I said, I was just, I was absolutely a movie fanatic and, and love comic books. So I just mushed them all together. Anything that was, um, anything that was, that, that stuck out. And, and to me, I think, uh, uh, Marshall Rogers on Miracle, uh, Mr. Miracle and, and Batman with Steve Englehart really, I, I thought they were a great team. Mm. Um, awesome. At this point in your career, when you look back, what what was your favorite uh, Batman uh, piece or run to work on? Or like, what which one do you like look back at now and like? I like. I I I would I was really very pleased. I have to say, from start to finish, I was very pleased with the three year run on Batman because that mm. they were it was every month something <laughs> different, every two months something different, mm. and. You had to keep, I mean, coupled with, you had to keep up with the deadlines. Yeah. So <clears throat> doing 36 issues in three years. Wow, yeah. That's- um, <laughs> that was, that was, and and not to be horrified when you go back and look at it. <laughs> um, I, I always felt that was like real comics to me. Yeah. I mean, that's what a monthly should be. A monthly should be a guy who goes on a book for, tw- you know, mm. signs up at least does 12. Yeah. And yeah. twelve in a row, and, you, and, you, and you're coming in right after Nightfall too. So well, and I think um, again, I've I had the very good fortune in my career to always have really good timing. Mm, right. So they had tied the books together for such a long time that um, when I came along, and I had been doing covers and graphic novels and uh, some miniseries stuff, but when Denny O'Neill asked me, uh, I had already been working with Doug Minch quite a bit and he, when Danny O'Neill called and asked me to do Batman I instantly said yes thinking that would make Doug happy and it didn't <laughs> so, <laughs> um, no and and uh you know and I said yes because uh Doug Wildly the art the fellow who invented Johnny Quest had liked something I had done a few years earlier and he had just basically said um you know, this is nice what you're doing. I really like it. I'm enjoying reading it. But if you want to be a really terrific artist, you have to do something for two or three years in a row. And mm. it's that's how you judge. That's how you learn. And that's how you judge and see how good of an artist you are. A, a, a comic book artist. There's artists. And if they take, you know, nine months to draw an issue, well, of course it should be good. Yeah, yeah that's true. That's a but, good point. And it is. And he says, but I'm more interested in the after nine months, the ninth book you've drawn. That's how good you are, mm. is how that book yeah. looks. Uh, yeah, and, it's... and that's what stuck with me. So when when O'Neill asked me, I said, sure, yes. Yeah. So I called Doug all happy about it. And he he wanted to do graphic novels and miniseries. Mm. Yeah. And he said that's where he could write what he wanted to really write. So at that point, he hung up the phone, called O'Neill. And said, I'm going to do shorter stories. I'm going to write the ones I want. And then he called me up and said, if you screw up, if you can't keep deadlines, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> and and Doug, is, Doug is a scary big 
guy. So I went, <laughs> I will do that. I will. I promise to do that. And, you know, um, but I, I had to I had to do what Doug Wildey said. I mean, that just stuck with me. Mm-hmm. And so to this day, I really judge artists by do they do 12 in a year? Mm. I think that's what um, back McFarland said, too. It's like. All the people give a shit about. Us. Can you make your deadline? Can you make your yeah. deadline? You know. Can you make your deadline or not? That's what people care about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and I'll tell you, it's the see. And I, I look at it this way. That's where the fun is. Mm. Oh, the pressure. Because, you like. The oh yeah. When yeah. you're when, oh, when yeah. I ha- when I have to get something done, and it's due by Thursday, and it's Tuesday, and you're sweating. <laughs> Good stuff happened. I mean, really good stuff happened. Man. Mm, yeah. We just talked to a guy who says he can't handle that, Mr. Clayman, which is a couple nights ago. was <laughs> <laughs> under that pressure, but yeah, yeah you know, it's it's um, yeah. I I didn't know that myself. I thought I was the guy who couldn't do that. But then, uh, I sat and counted how many pages I did a year before I did the monthly, and I was doing the same amount. It just wasn't under that pressure. Yeah. So I thought, okay, I'm gonna, I've got, I've got to try this. It, I will admit, the first four or five months were, uh, and and people would say, well, yeah, but you did the Micronauts for uh, twenty issues, and I go, I did, but we were not Batman. Mm. Yeah, and <laughs> and when you're not Batman or you're not Superman, uh, where there's a big light on you. Mm-hmm. Um, you you can you can mess around a little bit and and you can take a breather or you can say yeah I'll let that one go you can't really do that with those books you have to be good yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. and you can't and you have to bring something you got to bring your best stuff mm. oh yeah um, is uh, is Batman your favorite comic book character or is it some I, I love Batman yeah. Will say I do love him. I, I I've drawn him so much. He feels like I invented him. <laughs> you know, it's like well, you, uh, you, you did. But uh, you you sort of did. You, you, you did, invented yeah. your yeah. You, you really invented feels, him. You know, and I think anyone who does anything like this, you have to begin to feel like no matter what you invent it. But I've been. I I've always been. It's a thin line between him and Dead Man. Nice. Um, because Dead Man was so wholly unique. Mm. Uh, as a as a what a god what a comic book hero would be, um, as well as as just a comic book in general. And but you know it's always been. I guess what it is is it's it's rather than say because this issue was good or that was nice. It's just the sheer enjoyment of doing those. That mm-hmm. that I I I enjoy it when, uh, you know it's middle of the night and i got to get it done or i enjoy it when there's plenty of time it's the same level of enjoyment no matter what the pressure is it's it's perfect that you that you said uh it's the two of them uh so i wanted to ask uh specifically because dead man and batman have led to so much throughout your career if dead man and batman never happened to you where do you see yourself what what do you think you would have ended up doing where would you be today uh if i hadn't done those characters i probably um, I could, I would have been probably more of an artist who would do, uh, more things in the vein of the creepy eerie. Um, I would have had to find things like that. I don't really think they're going to hire me to do Wonder Woman. <laughs> um, so, so now I kind of want to see that. I would have, 
I w- well, you know, I'm it's it's. I think you do a great Wonder Woman, actually. That uh, that Vampirella s character you drew in this run. I mean, yeah, I would like to see his Wonder Woman, to be honest. With you. Well, look, I I'm always uh, I, I, yeah, but they don't ever think of you that way, you know. Yeah. <laughs> they, they see the blood and yeah. the scary stuff. Um, no, I look, a DC's always been really cool with me, and they they will say, "Do you want to do this or that?" They will do that. Um. Uh, I, I've never had them be anything but like, well, you know, why don't you give it a shot? And, and they will do that with me. Mm. Um, so, but if it were, if it were that I would, you know, I would have went after the B level characters at DC. I would have said, give me Dr. Fate. Oh, wow. Um, I would have, I would have went after those. I, I, I would love to do Dr. Fate stuff with him or, uh, you know, those kind of characters. I always wanted to do, um, uh, stuff that was, uh, you know, I wanted to do a book. I remember telling him a long time ago that it, before this stuff was going to happen with Batman regular, I said, boy, I'd really like to do a book where the villains are successful. Mm. And, mm. It, you know, the ones they got, the ones that they were successful with, that, that they got away with it. And mm-hmm. uh, DC used to do a book called First Issue Special and stuff like that. Um and I, I said, or you know, why don't we do one where I could just do villains and how they got away with it? Mm. You know, um, let's you get Dan the D on line one. Yeah, <laughs> Kelly, I got to tell you, that sounds amazing. I really want to do that book with you. I would love to do that. It's amazing. <laughs> well, you know, they, they're they like I said, they've always been very kind to me on these things, and <clears throat> and it was just so it was those kind of things that I would have worked on. You know, if, I would have begged for. Uh, any of the uh, of those kind of spooky characters, just yeah. because when you do spooky characters, you get more freedom. You can have more mm. yeah. uh, leeway in the material. Um, what about like a uh, Justice League Dark mm. with uh, uh, well, Zatanna, all those I'm you know, I would have loved to do the demon. I would have loved to do any of the Kirby Fourth World stuff. But oh I mean, yeah. Um, but right as a, as we speak, I'm doing three covers for Justice League Dark now. So very cool. Oh, awesome! awesome. I'd and love they, to see you take on Granny Goodness myself, honestly. Well, look, I like I said, <laughs> I I was a huge fan of those old Kirby things. I mean, so I loved, I loved. In fact, Kirby, uh, I was a fan of Kirby stuff that wasn't just the Fantastic Four Thor. I loved 2001 and Devil Dinosaur and Omac and. <laughs> Uh, God, I could I I was the first one waiting for those books, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> they were absolutely uh, hallucinogenic. Um, and I couldn't believe, you know, uh, and now now everyone, they dig it. But back then, nobody dug those. You know, I was the only one, I think, who really couldn't. <laughs> uh, you know, I would I would be saying uh, my, I remember telling Doug Mensch, I was so excited that he had Godzilla and Devil Dinosaur in an issue of Godzilla together. Um, and he says, you're the one guy who did, you know? So, <laughs> um, but I love, I love that kind of stuff. So I would, I would have asked for those characters, you know? Yeah. The Dio, the Dio also talks about him being one of the few that loved that stuff too, when he was coming up. Yeah. But, he, um, he loves the old universal films. Mm-hmm. So he he liked all that all those kind of things. I was lucky enough. Uh, uh, I just finished a, a 
a 14 page short story for Star Wars. It was a Halloween issue. Oh, Whoa. Just, wow. Just, just I'm to listening. Draw, yeah, well, just to draw <laughs> Christopher Lee as Count Dooku, you know? Oh, cool. <laughs> Some prequel stuff. Yeah. So, so it was, you know, but that's, but again, that's a lot to do with the fact that the fella uh, who was editing me in the, in the uh, 06, 07, 08, around there for when I was doing Gotham After Midnight and, uh, Batman Unseen and a bunch of these things was uh, the editor of that was a fellow named Mike Seglane, who's now head of publishing at Lucasfilm. Mm. So we, we, he was much into these things too. Yeah. Um, He was a big, like he would, we would just, we had to schedule time to talk about work and we had a way because we would start talking about, you know, uh, Peter Cushing or, you know, classic James Bond films, all the good stuff. Mm-hmm. And and that's what, you know, all these guys that, you know, you got to have that interest. And that's what what spurs a lot of this. Cutting over real quick to um, your work translating in, uh, I don't know, for lack of better terms, pop culture, and whatnot. Um, so we have a, a gallery edition Dead Man and a gallery edition Batman by Kelly Jones, which I hug in my bed every night that's <laughs> no, one of my one of my prized possessions in my library but um so i also understand that uh was it francesco francovia did a homage vampire batman yes. to kelly jones and then mondo decided decided to turn it into a, a gorgeous statue statue yes what, did, what yes. did you think of that what did that uh i thought it was great look i i am not i always feel like these things are like uh, a football you run with it as far as you can and then if the other guy wants to run with it, he can run with it. It's that's absolutely cool. I mean, um, I I have never been anything but flattered that anyone paid attention. Mm. So so if they want to do stuff with it, I you know, uh, the fact that DC has kept the vampire Batman within their uh, universe, I'm God, I let more people do it. We we've turned that into a tradition. Every Halloween, every October, we read uh, the Kelly Jones uh, Vampire Batman trilogy. And, See uh, now that then again, now you have that is so wonderful <laughs> to hear. <laughs> <laughs> it's you know, those, you know what those those to be really quick those weren't written as a trilogy. They we wrote the uh, Doug wrote the first one. We thought you know he wanted a truly gothic story, meaning nobody gets out alive though the ends. Yeah. Are met. <laughs> yeah, it's a mess. And, um, and that's what he meant by gothic, not just that it takes place in 1880. Right. So uh, he wrote it, and he thought it was done. And when they asked for another one, he at first he called me up and says, do you really want to do another one of these? Because they want to do another. I don't know if we can do another one of these. And I didn't want to do another one of these. Um, I figured, well, we've said all you can really say. And mm. and when I said that, that kind of offended Doug. He, he, and he goes, well, wait a minute. I could think of other things. <laughs> you just you stepped <laughs> into it. <laughs> and I said, well, you, you just now you're, said Now you're upsetting the big man. <laughs> yeah. I, I said, you know, I said, Doug, you just said you didn't want it. You'd said everything you said. He says, well, are you saying that we I couldn't come up with something? I said, absolutely. <laughs> well, he, away, he comes back and he had a really good story. Mm. So I went. Okay, this is pretty good. And then, of course, when it was done, it did very well. It did as well as the first one, which mm. shocked everybody. Mm. Um, and I went to go do the monthly book. And every year at the end of it, they said, well, we'd like you to resign. But if you don't, 
we want you to do a third one of these mm. vampire books. And I didn't, I, I went, well, he's dead. I mean, he's still dead. <laughs> <laughs> and he's killed everybody now. Um, and, and so Doug had said, at one point, Doug had said, look, I know how, what you're saying. I get it. But, you know, trilogy doesn't that sound good you have a trilogy and he and i said okay (laughs) you can come up with something good and we talked it over he had some really good stuff and each one of those i thought were really terrific he did it all really good yeah um now we want a fourth one (laughs) yeah see and now that's that's it if uh it was it was something that surprised me when i would get the scripts Mm. and it surprised me when i saw you know in production that it was looking very good. Um, it surprised me, but I, I'm always that way. I never, I never can gauge what something's going to do. Mm. So when it did well, when the third one did, had done well and they reprint them and all that stuff, I'm still, there's that part of me that's still very surprised hmm. and grateful mm. because a lot, you know, how much in, and think about it guys, how many things come out that come out for their publication month, and that's pretty much it. Even if it's reprinted, sometimes they'll reprint them in big omnibus, but but really keep hanging around. I, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, like those uh, those those three vampire books that you guys did. Those came out in two separate collected editions in the past year. Yeah, yeah. And they you know what they we go need for a lot thing. too. They yeah, go, you know what we need, yeah. Kelly, is an omnibus of all your stories now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But then again, everyone has to. God, those things are heavy. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Tim Sale puts them on his scale. Yeah, <laughs> put them on his scale. It's how they stay in shape. It, it is. They they are. On the one hand, I love that I don't have to go through my boxes to find everything. Um, and they're getting really good at at being able to reprint them. I I loved the uh, Swamp Thing omnibus with all the rights and stuff in there, and the. Uh, Nestor Redondo, because I love Nestor Redondo's part too, mm. and um, it was really nice to have them all in one book, mm. you know. Um, but it was pretty damn heavy. There's definitely <laughs> you know, a market for it, though. Yeah, throw an absolute in there too. Hey man, you take say, an absolute uh, in the trilogy. You, you, you say heavy, but the Kelly Jones Gallery edition, I can use it as a door, man. I just yeah. put, a, <laughs> put a door. Uh, I, I, I'm always sorry for how many trees had to die for that. <laughs> no, they're 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 happy to lend their part to, uh, well, to explain look, that. I, I, the good fortune was that I had a, a, about 75 percent of the yard I had, and they were able to find a lot of the rest. Oh yeah. I think the people at Graffiti did a spectacular job in presenting how, you know, stuff like the overlays. I and love the overlays. They're so great. Some of the, you know, they called me one day and said, you know, um, how do you think if we showed some color guides? I would love, you know, people yeah. are interested on in the making of these things. Would that bother you if we did that? And I said, hey, if Greg Wright has them, use them. Yeah. You see, you know, you, you same with about it. I'm sorry. I can't think about it like this, though. That company is not going to put out a book that size for just anyone. The work, ha- the work has to transcend through decades for them to be able to put that out there. So you, you yeah. keep saying these wonderful things. Hey, man, I, I, yo, you know what? I, I'm, t- I'm, I am a huge, I'm a you, huge you Kelly do. Jones fan. I don't. I, these are wonderful things here. No, look, I, I appreciate it. And and Bob Chapman at Graffiti had said something like that. He had said how much he, you know 
very little stayed on his radar, very little stayed with mm. him, and he remembered these things. Mm. And so when he called me about doing it, um, first of all, I was very flattered, but I, I told him, you know, I don't know how well something like that would do. I think it was, uh, I, how well do these things do, you know? But as it turned out, I think they, they, for him, it did very well. And I'm grateful for that. But the good thing, too, is uh, until the last few years, my run on Batman hadn't been reprinted mm. because they it wasn't connected to all, you know, to a big event or, or multiple books. Yeah, it was standalone. That's true. It was standalone. And but the good thing was that it had twice the print run that other books do. Yeah. It mm-hmm. sold out within the first month or two. Mm. Um, the same thing has happened with the second volume. Um, it, it's because they became special. I always enjoyed the culty nature of it, though. Mm. Um, yeah. That You had to go hunt those down. There, There is something very special about that. Um, so when they came out on hardcover, um, God, that was, what, 20 years ago. So... It was it was kind of strange to see them in a collected sense because I'd only seen them in singles, but I was very honored by it. I was very very touched that they sold as well as they did, and that DC was really behind that. I mean, uh, they had committed to a second volume before the first one was even out. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I I owe I owe, that that company's always been very decent and very decent to me. I mean, considering hey, I'm what I am, I I have nothing but good words. Hey, Kelly, speaking about the uh, gallery edition, I actually took mine uh, to WonderCon this past year, and you signed it for me. Um, yes, I did. Thanks for the free uh, head sketch that you drew inside it as well. I appreciate well, that. Well, that you know, look, that anybody who comes up with these hardcovers or these things. Um, that's quite an investment. I get it. And then to have to pay to come into one of those shows and then stand in a line, it is the least I can do. Yeah, don't forget, don't forget the back pain and holding them in online. Oh, yeah. yeah, I actually that's carried it in a, in a roll-on, uh, a roll-on suitcase, and then they, <laughs> they they told me I couldn't have it in there. So luckily, I got it signed before they kicked it out. <laughs> <laughs> I know all these rules, you know, people come in there with their holy of holies, you know, yeah. <laughs> and, and they, and they get all upset about it. I don't know. I, I come from uh, when it, conventions, when I used to go were such freewheeling affairs, um, man, they were just happy. Anybody would come and bring all their stuff. And, you know, so I always dig it. If someone, if someone does that, they will always get something like that from me. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, Legends, he like built his own belt to go around the book and himself so he can haul it around on his back and things. <laughs> <a little> <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> um, yeah. Speak, back to the, uh, the graffiti uh, gallery editions, how they scan all the original art. And you said you had about 75% of it. Okay. Um, do you typically not sell your original art? Do you hold on to a lot of it? Or I, if you do, where do you sell it at? I Well, I, you know, I really, I don't normally because it was such a hassle, but I hadn't opened up the boxes of the returned art until Bob had said he would like to do it. Oh, my God. So wow. I had to go find wow. the boxes, and then I dug them out, and, I, and he asked me what I had, and I told him. And so he drove up and said, you know, before I make a decision, I'd like to see it physically. And we went to a restaurant, I pulled it out, and he didn't talk for about an hour and a half. 
<laughs> so <laughs> he was just going through it. And I, so I was just talking to his wife and I, and finally I said, well, is this something you want to do? And he says, I decided to do it as soon as I, the, the first five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, at that point I was, you know, uh, very, you know, I, it's, it felt good because later on he told me how he had inquired to the bookmaking process and he had known someone who did books for the Smithsonian press. And he says, I, what, how he wanted to do it. He wanted a book that would last three or 400 years. Wow. And I went, that's amazing. You know, the, the way it's rolled, uh, spine and it's stitched and it, it's just a wonderful piece of printing. Um, he went, he went all out for the, that and the dead man book. I couldn't, I could not be more pleased. There are a lot of work, though, man. I am I seriously glad I don't have to do that <laughs> because <laughs> to find all that art and to you know all the scanning and all. I mean, just for me, that was a nightmare of going through these old files. Yeah, when they were doing uh, Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns Gallery edition, they had to trace some of the original pages all the way to the Philippines and yeah. bring them back there. So it's yeah, the, the process for these are I can't imagine. It is, it is tough, and and they were you know it turned out. When he knew I had this stuff, yeah, and certainly cut down his hunting, mm. um, you know, I, I, then then it, I think it, the decision became easier. When he came up, he found I had uh, all the dead man stuff too, and and then at that point he had made a good decision. He says, you know, I don't know which one to do, and I said, he says, what would you do? And I said, well, I would go with dead man. He says, well, yeah, but I think I'll do Batman because more people are, you know, that. That's a super popular character, and I think he was right. Um, and and the fact he put ten issues in a row, so you can affect read them, uh, yeah. was a great idea. That you can actually read the first ten issues we did. Mm. There's some hardcore Deadman fans out there. Uh, for yeah. example, DC Deadman fan asked us uh, if you could write and draw any Deadman story today. What would the premise be? Well, uh, I would do one. Where it starts with him actually feeling pain. Wow, and that's crazy. He he follows it to where that's emanating, mm. and he sees that his corpse is being dissected. Whoa! Oh, you got this plan. Wow. It's a rounds already <laughs> in the chamber, man. And, All right, get da get Dan's number. Get the Dio's number. And. And he has to possess his own corpse. Oh, wow. Oh, oh man. And that's how it starts. No, that's... actually, I have a, I have a, um, twice it came very close to where that would happen, hmm. where something would, would happen with it. It would be absolutely pure horror. It wouldn't be he does superhero things. Mm. Oh. Um, it would be. 100% pure horror. There would be things in there, because there's stuff I always would want to see. Um, mm -hmm. There's things that I would put, I always felt the limits that Mike Barron did were quite good, and that when he possessed someone, it always went wrong. Because what you're doing to that person is really evil. Yeah, even yeah. if it's the best, uh, even for the best intentions, you're putting them at risk, mm -hmm. they missing time, they have no idea what's happening to them, and you you know you wake up like what three days later and you're covered in blood. Yeah, you know. <laughs> so he had always said it, it, and I always thought that that's a great angle. So 
Anytime he does it, something goes wrong. I like how uh, in the the new the new issue, the Black Label, um, the Batman Dan book, um, Dead Man's in it, and uh, Azarello writes it, explaining that it's kind of like uh, you can only stay in for a certain amount of time. It's almost like food poisoning, like uh, you know, it always turns bad, and you got to jump in and out. Yeah, see, for me, I just see it as is it's like uh, taboo. Mm-hmm. You don't. He, he's. That's not what he's to do. Mm-hmm. And and that he can do it doesn't mean he gets to do it. So mm-hmm. I would have to, in in the thing I would do that I would want to do with him, he would possess someone, he would do something good. Mm-hmm. And in the possession of that someone, it you know it becomes nighttime. The moon comes up, and he realizes he's in somebody who turns into a werewolf. <laughs> so and, do you want us to wait until you finish? Well, the thing the thing that would be good is he can't get out. Yeah. And yeah, they have to do whatever they're doing. Oh, wow. Do you want us to wait until you finish King of Fear before we start demanding that DC make this a new Black Label title? <laughs> yeah. you, 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 I think you're destined for Black Label. Man. I, yeah. mean, they, I know all the people there, and who knows? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, um, uh, they've asked if, I, you know, for, if I'd be interested in or interested in doing stuff there. So... Um, We'll see. I, I, you know, at that time they were all in the planning stage. They may, you know, that may have all changed. But no, a dead man would be a thing that that uh, would be unlike anything else, only because it would be unabashedly horrific. Oh, that's Sounds amazing. so good. Amazing. Oh yeah. Can we can, can we nail down a title for it right now so I can put it on my file right now and just wait for uh, it? <laughs> I, I I always wanted to have something called uh, you know if it was a dead man thing I'd I'd want the series called Mold. Wow. Huh. Wow. That's Very intense. cool. <laughs> so I was gonna say I, I was gonna say we need to get DC to get you on Black Label. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> You know who knows? <laughs> they, may, they may say enough of Batman. You need to go away now. So that could very well. Be. <laughs> well, like you say, it could be it could be Dead Man. It could be Swamp Thing. Yeah. It could be. Yep. Mm. Oh, so I loved look. loved the Swamp Thing that you did. What was it? A couple, uh, maybe about a year ago or so, when you were yep. having that out. Yeah. Well, that was something um, that the we, I did uh, six issues with Len, and it did. Very, very, very well, and mm. and surprised everyone how well it did. It surprised me how well it did, because he had kind of went back to it's Alec Holland still, and it's and Alec Holland is the is Swamp Thing, and he and he wasn't rejecting what Alan had done. It's just that's what he knew. I mean, you got to remember he edited Alan, so he loved what Moore had done, but he wanted a more back to basics horror book and it did very well so they okayed another six and uh and then that's uh, unfortunately when he had passed away and um they at that point uh had did tell him that they would like to do it as an ongoing series um because they had liked what how he was starting this one off he was in he had brought in a new uh, uh a really great angle for this one and then he had just asked me, he says, look, I've been doing all this stuff with him and whatever, but what would you like to do? And uh, I had said I wanted to do something with the Unmen. And he says, oh, but I don't want to do Arcane. And we finished Arcane. I said, I have no interest in Arcane either. I said, but I love the Unmen. 
And he says, well, what would we do? They have their directionless. I said, exactly. So they would stitch themselves together in one body. They would, other than just be these parts running around, they'd make themselves a physical, one physical being by stitching themselves together, except one part's missing. And that one part is part of Swamp Thing. They don't want to kill him. They just want a piece of him. Yeah. And yeah. then that would be the that would be the villain. And he went bonkers for that. And I was very pleased because this is Len Wein. Yeah. And he, and he went nuts for that. He says, that's absolutely it. Blah, blah, blah. He says, what part of Swamp Thing? What part of Swamp Thing? Well, after the Batman Damned, I'm afraid. But I was going to say, um, you know, I said any part, but it would give them that connection. And it would give them a, a, that last piece, that last power. And I don't know. And then at that point, I said, I just like a character that when it would speak, it had several mouths. <laughs> you know, um, I like a character yeah. that if it needed to, it could cut off a part of itself. It could run off and then come back and they'd stitch it back on. I, I love that's gruesome, mm. but it's very swamp thing. Yeah. How was it working with Lunwing? It was as much fun as you can imagine because he believed it should be fun. Mm. And so uh, everything was about he i mean he how long had he been doing it since you know 1970 or 68 or something like that and he once told me that he never had a bad day doing it and the only bad day he ever had was when he found out that bernie had passed away yeah mm. oh how tough is that it's... yeah it was and he <sighs> said but other than that every day had been good and but he was a lot of fun he was always about can you believe we're doing this <laughs> you believe they let us do this the magic, do you believe man. that mm -hmm. yeah and and you know so i would always stop him and go uh because i loved how he you know i loved his x-men stuff i loved his hulk stuff i loved everything he had done mm -hmm. uh his batman things and whatnot and i would always feel like i'd have you never had to jog len's memory he knew oh yeah i can tell you all about it hmm. and he would tell me all about it so it was a blast to work with him and he he was such a visual writer that um when i would get his scripts they were very open to interpretation everything was there everything they said was there but he would just let you let me just run with it mm -hmm. and um uh i had the great a, a great fortune of being friends with both those guys and both of them you know were so kind in in saying that they uh, appreciated my work. I I've never gotten used to that. You know, you don't get used to that. Especially coming from like Bernie Wrightston, who's yeah. Like, well, what was they, it, Frankenstein they... that he did, or the oh that, god, that intricate yeah. work. Like he, I, that even yeah. made Greg Capullo say, "What the hell am I doing?" <laughs> well, he was he that I mean that's a that's he transcended comics with Frankenstein. It became American illustration, a great American artist. Yeah. So. So it, I never I would always tell those guys, I'm not a part of your peer group. But, man, thank you for letting me sit at the same table <laughs> because I grew up reading these things. I mean, yeah. the first time I ever read. He and writes and stuff, I hated it hmm. um, because, as you know, was said earlier about scary cover I, that book, number two, Swamp Thing scared the hell out of me. And I hated it for doing that to me hmm. and about two hours later <laughs> about two hours after i read it 
it so stayed with me. Yeah. I had to go back and look at it again. Mm. And by the time I was done, I was passionately a fan. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, that was in a two-hour period. Mm. That's how I kind of look at your work, too. It stays with you. The whole deal why you do it is to try to connect with people by drawings are your lang- is, is like a language. Mm. And you're trying to communicate. And you're trying to get it. I at least am trying to get off. When I'm doing it, I'm thinking how it affects me mm. right. first mm-hmm. and foremost. Yeah. And, and it's always a little frightening when you put a book out because then it becomes everybody's. And they may think what scares me, you know, what I may think, everyone goes, eh, that's stupid. You know, so you don't know. Hmm. Um, but I'm always, I'm always glad that to get that kind of a reaction. When I, um, like, what a, a tough year with like Glenn and um well but Bernie writes then mainly I remember on Facebook everyone was talking about it and I thought I and personally in my way I thought you were like carrying the torch in a way even though you had your own style as well but you're no no I would approach, agree with that approaching no, no, aesthetic I totally, you know I would totally agree with that uh, time I spent with Bernie mm. uh we we went out to dinner once and he began to tell me uh about some stuff of mine he had seen. Mm. And and I I interrupted him. I said, Bernie, don't you don't have to do that. And he said, No. He he held his finger up to me. He says, Shh, quiet. Hmm. And he says, <laughs> I, and he told me what he liked, and it was amazing. I'll never forget it, because he actually had went into the weeds in my stuff. And he says, You think differently than me, and I really dig what you do. I would never think of it like this. Hmm. And then he went on to say. And I'm trying to interrupt him to stop this, <laughs> you know. And he says, "Look, I'm going to tell you something." And he told me this wonderful story uh, where Frank Frazetta was telling him to shut up <laughs> and just let him know, tell, and told him how much he enjoyed it, what Bernie was doing. That you know, because Bernie had felt like, oh, "Yeah, I know, I'm just a second-rate Frazetta." He says, "No, you're not. You're a first-rate Wrightson." Mm. And he says, "You may stand on my shoulders, but I stand on some shoulders too." Mm-hmm. Wow, and we're all, and he says we're all part of the same school, and that, mm-hmm. and he says, and then he just pointed at me and says, and so are you. Wow. And that's amazing. You know, it was, and at that point, you know, and then a few years later, when he asked me um, to finish his Frankenstein book, if he had not personally, if if he had not asked himself, I w- I couldn't have done it. Yeah, um, just out of respect, I wouldn't have done it. But uh, but since he had asked. Yeah. Okay. And it was uh, it was a strange experience. Oh, I can imagine that. That must have uh, been an intense, intense experience. Well, I'd imagine. You got to remember, I I was a fan of his yeah. from when I was twelve years old, and that book freaked me out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so he was a part of my life long before I ever got into comics. Wow. Mm-hmm. And I had all of his stuff, and I had a look back and the studio book and all of his. I used to buy books that he just had the frontispiece in. Hmm. And so I had everything. And then I got into comics. And for Christ's sakes, then you get to meet these people. And, and you know, he says, let's go for a beer. And, I, and I'm just, I can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I have to, you know, I had to do that. I had to say, hey, can I, I got to give you my due, uh, your due. And I told him that I, you know, the story about, reading the first time I had ever read his stuff. He loved that. Len loved that, too. Len Wein made me tell him that story about 15 times. <laughs> <laughs> you know? 
uh, because they love that you like it. They, they, I mean, they like that you like their stuff, but they love when you convert someone. Sure. Mm, yeah. yeah. So, so, and that it, and to me, it clearly had changed my, the course of my life, uh, was reading that book. I mean, I still have that issue. Mm. I never, you know, it's still, it's, it's the one I always, I pull it out and still look at it. I mean, you, I'm right back at being 12 years old and being knocked out. So when talking to these guys, I always have to tell them, you know, there's a hell of a big part of me that's 12 years old, mm. uh, sitting here talking to you guys. Mm. Wow. I yeah. mean, it's that way. Look, a lot of my career would be, you know, I'd hang up the phone and say, Denny O'Neill asked me to draw Batman. Mm. Or Doug Mensch asked me to work with him. It, it's, it, it's not like guys at my own age, my own peer group, whatever, you know. Mm. Uh, people say you worked with Neil. Well, well, Neil and I were the same age and we were doing the same thing. We were coming up at the same time. Mm. But it's different when it's a guy you read growing up. Hey everyone, we hope you enjoyed that first part of our sit-down with legendary Batman artist Kelly Jones. Be sure to rate us over on iTunes and subscribe as well so you're ready to go when we put up the second part of this interview with the amazing Kelly Jones. Thanks again, everyone. Hey Gotham Dwellers, make sure to stop everything right now and subscribe to Bat Force Radio. We can be found on iTunes and SoundCloud. Don't miss out. Guaranteed to satisfy all of your Batman and DC needs.